The time is 6.27pm. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming. Podcasts coming home. Yeah, that was that was awful. Oh well, this is we are the pre-match entertainment, Simon. For those who love that heady mix of local politics and football, Alexa, I'm sure what there time are many. Oh, the time is six twenty-seven. Yeah, excuse the confusion. That's where I've clicked into the. <laughs> I've clicked into this live stream that's appearing on Facebook so I can follow the comments. So, uh, sorry, the heady mix, the heady in and oft, of course they are, oft intertwine things that are politics and football. But I thought we didn't want politics and football intertwined. Well, it's become naturally embroiled, isn't it, this week? uh, Let's face it, England, first on this day, 55 years ago, 1966, the crowd's on the pitch. They think it's all over. It is now. So, of course, you know, with that wave of national enthusiasm, everyone's on the bandwagon, aren't they? It's uh, so, uh, oh, the wah, 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 wah. um, Bozer will be there this evening, as will Kia. Um, and he's taken some fairly unnecessary flack for attending. Evidently, he's supposed to be all shrew faced about it and refused to attend because it's too expensive for the working man and his party weren't keen on having that many supporters there, so we should have stayed home. But he was offered two two tickets on the freebie. Yeah, and he's he's a he's a football man, is Keir. So we'll I just believe. so we'll just he, chant our way past all of the people that three weeks ago were saying we should take the politics out of football, but we're now cheering the politicians that are pretending to I mean sorry that image of Boris Johnson with a football sh- t- football shirt on over his over his shirt in, on his jacket that's um, not a good look it's trying it, no. if too you're hard gonna, you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it is that like and, when David um, Cameron um, quoted the wrong match or something that he was see this is how crap I am at football um, he was asked to quote and to try to be chummy and sound all kind of like down with the lads he actually got the game wrong uh, yeah, though no, it is a. But Sakia, um, if I remember rightly, I know he was on Desert Island Discs a couple of months ago. Up until he got the lady, Labour leadership, he was still playing five aside on a Wednesday night. Okay. So yes, so hooray! Let's hope England win, um, and then the old uh, government can use that to bury even more bad news. Sorry, well, did I think that I'll say it? Yeah, you, you you said it, but don't but don't worry. I mean, the the vaccine minister did a good job on Andrew Marr today, trying to say well, we we must we must embody the um what was it the, the spirit of the, the spirit of, of Gareth Southgate? Yeah, the Southgate yes. spirit. It's like oh really? I, I mean, I was at work, so I couldn't actually throw up over my desk. Ah, well, so, you see, you know. we were watching that, <laughs> and my wife, oblique your sister, one and the same person, used bloody oath, a seven used a seven-letter directive about sex and travel in a very loud voice when he offered channeling the spirit of um, Gareth Southgate. Well, funnily enough, I, I said something quite similar. So I did, yeah. apo- did apologise to the other member of the team that was the other work colleague that was in the office at the time and then got yeah. swiftly back, of course, to processing imports and exports. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, 
Um, but um, yeah, okay. So it's happening. Even I am going to be watching it. Even I watched the last game. Um, so um, I might even cheer a little bit. But there we go. But celebration today, though. Yeah, we are eight days away from the great unlocking Freedom Day. Yes, or the... But freedom from what? You cannot take Uh, our face masks, but you cannot... No, sorry. You can take our face masks, but you cannot take our freedom. No, hang on. That's the wrong way around, isn't it? Were you being all brave heart there? Yeah. Ah, I I completely buggered it up. the, The thought of Nicholas Sturgeon died blue in woad waving a saber is is slightly unnerving me now so so yes it the 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 time approaches it was going to be was it the fifth and then they delayed it for a couple of weeks and so you've got a timeline in front of you simon what's gone on so um yeah basically um we this is how we got here it's like that bit in airplane when i said so tell me what happened now well first of all the planets were formed and then the dinosaurs no anyway so on June fourteenth, so thankfully the Prime Minister waited to the day after my birthday, um, to announce that um, the, there was going to be a four-week pause. A pause. Stop right there. Thank, sorry, I've not been drinking. Honest. Um, a four-week pause at step three before going to step four, which is the is that it makes me think of it like a steps video. Sorry. Um, a, as a result of addition, the additional risk and uncertainty caused by the spread of the more tradition, tra- more transmissible. Tra- oh heck, transmissible Delta variant, the Delta variant. Um, so the government basically we're going to assess the four tests again on the 12th of July to decide whether to proceed to step four on July 19th. So tomorrow <laughs> we get to know whether whether they'll be doing the following um removing outstanding legal restrictions on social contact live life events i think that means live events and open remain remaining closed settings the government will instead enable people to make informed decisions (laughs) sorry as he met the people in portsmouth about how to manage the risks to themselves and others so all remaining limits on social contact currently six people or two households indoors or 30 people outdoors uh, will be removed and there'll be no more restrictions on how people can meet in any setting, indoors or outdoors. So basically, all of those limits that have affected bars, restaurants, um, festivals, funerals, you, weddings. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on before that gets really, really awful. Um, so all settings will be able to open, including nightclubs, large events such as music, concerts and sporting events can resume without any limits on attendance or social distancing requirements. Because um, as Alex Dutton was telling us the other week, obviously trying to hold a nightclub event and be a DJ where people have to stay sitting is a bit rubbish. Um, yes. Yeah, it's not really the thing, is it? So Not really. So the restrictions on weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs and baptisms we, we, will be removed, um, including the remaining restrictions on the numbers of attendees. Um, and the legal requirement to wear a face covering will be lifted in all settings. But to help reduce the spread of COVID-19, published guidance will advise that wearing a face covering will reduce your risk and the risk to others where you, where you come into contact with people you don't normally meet and in closed crowded spaces and the social distancing rules gone so yeah there's there's kind of like a other kind of minor things but basically there is no longer the record they're no longer asking saying to people you you need to work from home if you can 
Um, and also that I think probably the big thing that's going to affect lots of people is that um, the school bubble situation, which I've, I've noted from some of my friends with school aged children, that um, if basically one kid tests positive, um, although some of them have been looking, I don't know how true this is, that they've been looking up online to to um, you can apparently fake the fake the positive covid test with some is it lime or lemon um i don't know if that's a teachable chemistry lesson moment um so removing that kind of bubble need will mean that basically um children or anybody under 18 who are in close close contact with a positive case will no longer need to self-isolate um, and the restrictions in care homes about a limit to five named visitors will be removed so yeah basically Everything goes. You know, everything goes. There's some other stuff about uh, about travelling and, and the such. Um, but, yes. So we've got some... Well, let's, let's step through that. You know, there's there's an awful lot to unpick there. And I guess for me, the, the, the key... And I guess the key message that the government seems to have been trying to drive home in the last week or so is about the link between the virus and serious illness and i've been on a week off this week i'm doing lots of research for the podcast as as is my way and so i sat and watched pmqs on on wednesday and it was very interesting that boris stood up and said that we had broken the link between the disease and serious illness by the vaccination program. So effectively, the whole kind of argument being put forward by the government for being able to do this is that because we have vaccinated such a large proportion of the population, that, you know, people who are double jabbed are much less likely to get seriously ill from the virus. Now, the key piece in that is that broken or weakened now, interestingly, there was a piece on the politics show this morning where one of the leading scientists made it very clear that he used the word weakened, whereas Boris was much more bullish in Parliament and used the word broken. Uh, yeah, the, um, the thing about populists is they tend to try to make what they believe are, populi- are popular statements. Um yeah, I, th- I think there is a key point there. And the vaccine minister was on Mar this morning um, making the key point about um, the, the differentiating between the, the kind of everything's removed kind of statement and language that, that the PM used um, and emphasising the point that we're still advising that people use uh, a face mask in enclosed spaces and on public transport. So um, I bet you can put money down on which which of those messages, you know, which of those messages would have got through to to um, to everybody. And interestingly enough, um, we've had a couple of um, a, a couple of comments. So we asked we asked people to give us some um, give us their comments and views and even indi- indeed invited people to um to come on the show if they, if they wanted to actually put across a particular point so our our hotline remains open please just message um message us in the comment section on our on our facebook page um so follow us on pompey politics podcast on facebook um in order to get notifications when we go live and put some comments in there if you're interested in coming on to to make a comment but one of those was from lynn oliver saying um that they are emphasising that, that we should be wearing masks indoors and confined spaces today. So um, and saying that's you know that's 
backpedaling compared to what what the PM was saying. Yeah, I, well, is it? And I've been musing on this, Simon, because for me, you know, one of the things that I think has been a, a hallmark of the government uh, and their policy generally is that there are rules and laws, but without reinforcement, um, have they only ever been guidance? You know, we touched on it before, you know, ultimately, and I don't know whether it is a criminal offence, I guess it probably is, but if you want to be exempt from wearing a face mask, simply download the I am exempt card, pay your one ninety nine for your sunflower lanyard, and you are now exempt from having to wear a face mask. Uh, yeah, I've always been put off by the exhaustive application process for those. Yeah, no, no, I can see how you would be. And I guess, look, you know, we both use public transport. My, my experience three weeks ago was, you know, I caught the 10.02 to go and play cricket down in Hove. Um, and there was myself and, and three other visually impaired people who, ironically, are all exempt from wearing face masks if we want to, because we are registered as disabled but we climbed into the carriage with our face masks on and the one of us that has plenty of residual vision noted that we were in fact the only people in the entire carriage to be wearing a face mask literally nobody else had put one on and the train was full um yeah i mean i, I mean i've not used the train in quite in quite a while because i um use the bus to, to get to where i work but um What's yeah, the levels of compliance like on there? On, on the bus, um, I would say high. Um, on Good. the bus, um, so we're not when I'm getting on the buses. Uh, in fact, it's a rarity that there is someone that 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 um, that doesn't have a doesn't doesn't have a have a face mask on. Um, and um, to be fair, on most occasions, it's a, it's a, you know it's simple enough to kind of just sit far away enough from them. Um, but because um, at the end of the day, you don't know what their reason is for not wearing it, and then it, there's no point. Kind of, I don't want to get into a policing situation yep. where you're just, a, why, you know, why are you not? What's your excuse? You know, because at the end of the day, I'm not. There, it's not for me to judge. I um, but my observation in the local corner shop, um, around the corner from us, is that, um, yes, today there were, there were considerably more people in there that didn't have a, didn't bother to wear a face mask, um, that were already over celebrated. Um, so. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think they could probably struggle to find their face even if they had a mask on. Oh, you think they'd gone for the uh, pre-match drinkies just a touch early? I think so. I think they'd over-egged it. Uh, could be a long night for them. Um, but yes, I, I think that there is that, you know, it's that interesting piece around, you know, a lot of the arguments around face masks, apart, you know, if we leave, leave aside the pseudoscience and the Oh no! You know, oh, how can I breathe? Well, because carbon dioxide particles and oxygen particles are very, very small. We don't need to worry about them. Um, but a lot of it's been along the sort of authoritarian, libertarian lines of, you know, how dare the the government, you know, tell me what I should do? And, and I found it, um, you know, very. I had an, in one of those fascinating discussions with with somebody online this week about what are they going to do post the 19th now interestingly they are somebody they work in a in, in a trade so they are in and out of people's houses every day and their approach was one that baffled me because they said well i was quite happy i started wearing a face mask out in public before it was mandatory 
because I was looking at what was going on in Singapore and, you know, in those kind of places and, you know, that they appeared to be getting under control. Everybody was wearing a face mask. So I donned a face mask. And then whilst it's been mandatory, I've kept the face mask on. And when I go into a client's house, I will don gloves and a face mask and I will continue to do that after the 19th. I thought well, this is eminently very, very sensible, but I won't wear on one in Tesco's. To which I furrowed my brow and said, well, why not? Well, I don't have to. Yeah, I can, I can hear the logic falling over there. So I, I guess, but that kind of comes down to the fundamental difference, isn't it? Between, between requiring people to do something and telling them that it's guidance that they, excuse me, that they do something. Yeah, and it, and uh, I think the interesting Some thing for me to touch on there is about people using their own judgment on risk. So this individual has looked at it through his lens of business and has said, we will continue to wear one in customers' homes to give them, obviously, reassurance. Um, but because it's no longer a legal requirement and... I think they, I think they've had both jabs. Their view is, well, virus isn't going to get me, so I won't, you know, and I don't have to, so I won't. I think there's a there's a mis misunderstanding, isn't there? That the the jab or the jabs don't provide some sort of invisible force field that stops you you the the, the coronavirus coming into your body. It just means that if you catch it, you are much less likely to suffer um the the more serious effects um from yes it. It, it doesn't mean that you are immune to getting it at all um so it's yeah it's um uh richard um in the in the comments um uh, you know highlight, highlights the, the point that, that we kind of made a moment ago basically about there's no need um there is no obligation to you know there's no need to carry a card or a lanyard or anything um exempt people owe zero explanation um and and the inquisition of disabled people is as driven discrimination back decades and that's you know that's a that that's the point is that as much as people can be people might well be worried about other people not wearing masks i'd try to i mean i um i mean i don't I, i'm hopefully i'm i'm successful at this but i try to remind myself that i don't know what that person's situation is um and so it yeah we we you know we we're not about pointing pointing the finger exercise we're we're, we're discussing the the hypothetical situation of now that it's all if it's going if it is going to be a guidance rather than a requirement or a or a law are people likely to do it and therefore does that increase the danger well i i actually i think that's a really interesting point but i think it actually speaks to you know it it it, it does for me i think it does speak to the there's always been an individual choice and you know as a as a point out I am exempt from having to wear a mask. But I've looked at it and thought, well, why wouldn't I? Well, you don't have to because you're disabled. Yeah, but I'm blind. I can wear a bucket on my head and it has absolutely no, obviously, if it's a plastic bucket, it would get a bit sweaty. But there's an element of I, I can't, I never worked out why I wouldn't wear a mask. Now, I can understand if, you know, if you rely on, residual vision or glasses but there's an element of you know those individual risk assessments or, or as to whether you wear a mask or not i think have always been there to a certain 
or lesser extent. Like you say, I think it it's always been, well, obviously I can't see or speculating as to why somebody isn't wearing a mask is it because they have you know some fear of enclosed spaces and actually you know they can't wear a mask or is it just because they're being a dick i think that way madness lies and and i think yeah. you, you've done well if you've managed to avoid that sort of speculation but i, I just, I, just I, I know there have been times when i found myself kind of looking at people and and think starting to think why aren't they wearing a mask and at the end of the day I have to check myself because I have quite an expressive face. And if I think that I probably look <laughs> in some sort of intemperate mood um, in my, in my glance towards them. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, 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 I'm not in a position to, to judge people's existence. And, and, uh, and as Richard says, they owe, they owe me and anybody else, no, no explanation. So, um, so, uh, you know, quite, um, you know, I think, I think well, there's a, I think there's I a guess... balance to be struck there. I think the, I think the point is that, so kind of trying to draw us back to kind of, so these are all the things that are being withdrawn uh, and we've kind of, we've had a bit of a conversation about, about all of the things that will be changing, but is there anything that's, sta- is there anything that's staying the same? As far as I'm aware, uh, from a legal perspective, no. But I do wonder whether, you know, with with so you know, with some of the other things that do they then become optional? You know, like the scanning of QR codes when you go into into you know, into hospitality venues. You know, I've been lucky, we've been lucky enough this week, and we'll come on to that a, a little bit later, that we went to we've been to we went to three places this week. We went mad. To be fair, there is two birthdays in the family this week. Um so you know, we, we actually ate out three times in a week. All very neat. QR code scan on the way in. Now, what I don't know is is whether that remains as an an optional. Do you want to do it? Well, um, the the guidance from the so the the published information from the government uh, says that businesses will be able to make their own decision as to what they require, what they need people to do. Um, to enter enter their um, to basically to to be a customer to enter their enter their premises. Mm. So um, I know that some of the airline companies have said that they will still require passengers to to wear face masks um, during during their flight. Um, so although they're um, regardless of destination, um, they'll be asking them to do that. Um, so I, I mean, I, but I've not heard yet of any um, of any of any retailers, for example making a similar sort of um a similar sort of statement mm. um so I, I just worry that um what sort of situation does that put um does that put shop workers in what sort of situation does that put bar staff in who are now going to be going from a situation where um where they had to do table service um so where um you know you you you, you couldn't order at the bar for example so they'll be in a in a in a more packed environment Will their employers allow them to make a decision as to whether they wear a mask or not, or will they will they say not to? Will they will they keep the shields up actually in in the workplace? So a, again, that's the that's the kind of the nebulous um, point I guess I'm trying to make is that I get from a um, from a perspective of increasing the freedoms or removing some of the restrictions but by 
not um, not mandating those changes and basically just doing it in one foul swoop. I, I, I do wonder what how that would be interpreted on the ground by businesses and also how that will impact staff. And, and I think that's a that's a really good point about the imp- about the impact on staff um, and and the burden that that then places on them. Because at the moment, it's very simple, isn't it? You know, when you go into a hospitality environment, you effectively come up against a please wait here sign. The server invites you to scan the QR code before they'll let you in. They then take you to your table and and you get to sit and you get to sit down. Um, now, obviously, even if the QR code's still there, unless the unless the venue chooses to retain um, well, because it's still there, you know, it's their business. They can ask customers to, to remain with table service. It, does it just become a free for all? Um, it, it might do. I mean, it, I guess it's interesting that more businesses haven't made, haven't, you know, not that, I, that I've seen um, businesses haven't made a made a, a statement on that but i guess the government haven't actually made their position clear until tomorrow so perhaps mm. some of them will will make some sort of um make some some sort of statement um to that effect um once the government actually decides what's um what's actually going to happen are we going for the july the 19th or, or are we not um which is the statement that they'll, they'll make tomorrow so yeah I, I i guess but it i i wonder whether it will be that will we see Will there be, you know, because it might be a situation where, thankfully, one of the larger supermarket chains, for example, will make a decision and say we still want actually customers, unless unless they're exempt, to wear a face covering in the store. Thank you very much for the protection of everybody. Um, once one of the large ones does that, then probably the others would follow suit. The question is, which one will have the have the sense to go first? Mm. And I think there's also the the you know what one of the i mean arguments for quote unquote freedom day is is about the you know the uh, the kind of easing of restrictions to allow certain sectors to get back up to full speed and i had another mm-hmm. interesting conversation with a chap called andrew who works down in gunwolf um in one of the major restaurants as a as a server now he he came up with a very interesting perspective, which was born out in my experience down at Gunwharf um, this week, which was that Gunwharf was heaving on a Tuesday lunchtime. It's not school holidays. It was very busy. There are still part walkways, directional walkways that are marked on the floor. There are stairways up that are one way only absolutely nobody was following any of that guidance um but then when we got to the restaurant the real challenge was that they were all full and we went to and in both cases it was very clear with the capacity that they had they didn't have the staff to cope with the demand even at reduced capacity and andrew told a story that that you know, he's, he's been working in the restaurant game for a number of years. And his, his view of the world is that whilst it's been low paid, he always managed to make a living that he could live on by the combination of his wages. But actually, a significant contribution was made from tips. 
every restaurant in Gunwolf now is short of staff. He said in his own restaurant, they had two people walk out this week. They are basically at the point where they do not have enough staff to give a, an acceptable service at the reduced level. And they can't recruit new ones. So his position was, you know, if you think you're opening up to make life better for the hospitality industry, it's it's not going to be what you think it's going to be because they're simply uh, people who worked in the hospitality industry before have gone and found other jobs. So, and I guess there's, there's from a commercial level, I guess there's there's two calls then really, isn't there? One One is support your local businesses because they really, really need your help. They really, yep. really need your custom. And the other thing is be patient with the pe- with with the service because it might take longer. People might be a bit confused if things, you know, where rules have changed and th- situations changed. Um, don't expect a sudden snap overnight back to quote-unquote normality. So I guess there's that, th- there's that kind of angle to it. But yeah, there's, yeah, um, people that were, I guess in those sorts of industries, do they rely quite heavily on tips? Um, to, so if you've not got customers, you know, furloughs a great idea as a, as a stopgap. But if actually a, a proportion of actually your household income comes from tips, then you're not getting that, obviously, with furlough, are you? Well, and this is the, but this was the interesting point is that, you know, with the restaurant back open at, at reduced capacity, they don't have the staff currently to serve at, at that level. So on the 19th, you know, when they can cram another let's say 10, let's pick a number, 10 tables in. Well, that's 10 more tables that the waiters and waitresses who can't cover the current demand and the kitchen that can't cover the current demand are going to have to try and service. And I think this does point to the fact that, you know, there is an element of, I get for nightclubs and I get for, you know, big venues, you know, music venues, that they they need the unlocking. But I do wonder whether, particularly in the hospitality trade, you know, there has been a seismic shift in people who are prepared, let's be blunt, Simon, to work that bloody hard for £9 an hour. Um, perhaps. Um, and perhaps there'll be a number of reasons why, you know, why um, why employers in those industries are, are struggling to retain or recruit um, new staff to, to work in those situations, whether it's a fear of, the you know the 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 changing um, environmental um, rules as as we as we discuss them, or, or or whatever it is. But I guess you know most people that are proponents of those things have talked about how we must let the market decide. Well, if the market decides that people aren't willing to do it for the price that you pay, then surely that means that you pay more. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and look, that that is, and that and that's the piece which had me furrowing my brow, you know, because. Gunwolf is not a cheap place to eat. I get that. Uh, but when you look to, you know, when you look at the final bill, you know, and the price you're paying, and then you look at the three servers who are, you know, li- almost literally running around the, the the restaurant, you kind of think, surely, if you were paying £12 an hour versus £9 an hour, you, you know, the amount of money you're turning over an hour here, that that extra nine quid, 12 quid or whatever to bring in an extra one and pay them a day isn't going to be eating your profits. Um, you, you think not, but um, 
God, we sound like a right couple of um, lefties. Um, but you, you'd think not, but, on you know, um, balance sheets say, say all. Um, and weirdly, even though bus- most businesses require their staff in order to actually have and retain customers, um, and the knowledge um, and motivation of their staff is the thing that actually keeps them in business. Weirdly enough, some people see the staff as the as an expendable um, resource. But um, but um, I think I think I might have taken us off the path a little bit. Um, no, no, I think I think it's relevant because, of course, the other factor in play um, is with the infection level as high as it is at the moment. It's about thirty thousand cases a day. Well, how many people's apps are pinging to tell them that they need to self-isolate? And, you know, there's an element of, I was supposed to be playing cricket today. And it's the first time ever, and I guess it's a a sign of the times, that we had to cancel our cricket matches today um, because four players from our team and three players from their team are all self-isolating. At the moment, everybody's tested negative. And bear in mind, they are spread. You know, this isn't isn't necessarily a local thing. This is across Hampshire and the team who are playing today um, from the Middlesex region. So, but, you know, just in that very small sample size of 22 people, a third of them are self-isolating. And if the infection rate gets up to 100,000 a day, which is something I guess the question is are all these businesses that are being given the green light to open up and it's the it's the new it's freedom day you know be very free if half your staff are sat at home twiddling their thumbs having to self-isolate yeah so I, I mean I heard on the radio today there was some examples of um people running restaurants where literally um in the middle of service the two of their chefs got ping got a ping to say you know they've been in contact with someone that's tested positive for covid and they have to go home so how how do you how how do you you know how how do you run a service like that i mean i i've also noticed um i've seen kind of anecdotal again this so sorry to keep talking about anecdotal evidence but I've, I've seen examples of of people that i know and i mean talk about i know as in loosely as in people on facebook um that have just because they've been um, because they've um, received a notification that they've been in contact with someone that's tested positive for COVID, um, they've decided to delete the app. Um, yeah, and, and sometimes no, that's because they've been And again, chat. in the loose research, it's anecdotal, but these are real people that we talk to. Um, you know, somebody was very clear that they downloaded the app when they were required to scan a code to get into a restaurant. They scanned the code, they went into the restaurant. They enjoyed their tasty meal. They came out of the restaurant. They deleted the app. Yeah, so that's not kind of really going to work, is it? And that's the that's kind of the thing. And and there were examples, weren't there, of um, of schools where the parents refused to get their children tested, um, and therefore that caused an issue because um, so they had to isolate the entire year group. So it, 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 it's just, you know, it can only work on data. If there's more testing, there will be more data. There will be more numbers. The question is, and this is, I guess, speaks to why the government are talking about desensitizing the app in order to, um, in order to reduce the, the, uh, the amount by which it alerts people, whether that's like the distance that of people that it considers yeah. you'd likely to affect, um, infect or whatever. But I guess the decision for it to be whatever that rate, you know, whatever the diameter of, 
um, that kind of probability of infection is around around the um, uh, um, the the infected person and the length of time that you're within that radius. Um, now we're in a different situation where you know two thirds of the adult population are um, are vaccinated. Um, is the is the transmissibility um, different? Is that made? Is that has that made enough of a difference on the transmissibility um, versus the fact that you know the other variants? So I guess there's kind of things going either way, and and people with a lot more statistical awareness of what's happening with the real numbers and a lot more um, knowledge of the science behind it will make a decision as to what's likely to you know what's the right thing to do with with the app. Is it is it right to leave it at the same level of sensitivity, um, or or is it not? Um, but it seems to me that it's it seems a bit wrong-headed to actually just disengage the app just just because it's told you to do something that you don't want it to do. But I guess it's not happened to me. So again, you know, yep. am, am I judging someone else based on, um, um, based on you know, based on that? So it's it, it's an interesting a couple of um, couple of um. So there was a there was two comments that I, I wanted to wanted to come to. One was from, um, so we. Um, ahead of the show, we asked people to give us some comments on what, what their thoughts are. And, and Grant's comment was, um, even if 75% are sensible and continue to wear masks, it won't help. You need 90% at least to prevent transmission. So with an already soaring Delta variant and a population of morons, um, a new question, and obviously these are, these are Grant's words, given that COVID is now more infectious but less fatal, will the government eventually bite the bullet and impose a fourth in brackets too late lockdown or will they try to brazen through another few hundred thousand infections so i guess that question is at what point do we start you know are, are we heading basically are we in the and we in the same summer dip that we went through last year admittedly this year armed with the with the vaccinations um but last year we also didn't have the variants so um are we heading for us you know is there likely to be then a another peak well, and I think it's it's a great question um, because there there are some there are some things in there which are a little bit inaccurate. Obviously, in terms of the, I think when he's talking about the seventy five percent versus ninety percent um, about the wearing of masks, it, that anybody who wears a mask makes a difference difference and a positive difference in terms of reducing the spread so there isn't a sweet spot where if ninety percent of people are wearing masks they won't spread the virus. The real sweet spot is is around you know the the percentage of people who are immunized um and are therefore less likely to you know to get poorly with it but also less likely to have a high viral load and spread the disease now i i think it's interesting when we talk about you know the vaccination rate and the government is is rightly very proud of of you know how well that's gone and how many people have stepped forward but there's some fascinating statistics in terms of the difference even within our own city. Um, so we've got to credit Steve Spurgeon, um, who posted this on Portsmouth Politics. And if we look at the sort of, you know, if we look at Portsmouth as a whole, in terms of people who've had the first and second vaccination, Cosham North tops the table. And where 90% of people have had the first vaccination and 76.5% of people have been double jabbed. So, you know, we've got really high coverage in, in Cosham North. We're in Cosham South. 
so we're in fourth um but again 86 percent have had one and 68 so more than two-thirds of people are double jabbed um in between the two costumes we've got drayton and farlington Accringe Park and Copner, again, we're still in the high 80s. Paulsgrove West and Port Solent are still over 80% for one jab. Hilsey, very much the same, around 82. Now, the interesting piece is when you get down towards those areas of the city, which you have very low rates. So if we go to Summerstown, only 59% of people have had the first jab. And 36% of people are double jabbed. And Fratton West and Portsea, unfortunately, fall bottom of the table, where only 56% of people have had one jab and 32% have had the double jab. So if we look at those, you know, those areas are still very, very exposed in terms of unvaccinated people. Is, is there a... Um... What was it? Was there a figure for kind of like the Milton sort of area? I'm just trying to wonder because I know that there's vaccinate a vaccination center, wasn't there in Cosh? with me, caller. So I'm just wondering, is the geographical location what you know? What's what's the correlation here? I don't know whether that's causation or not. Is it demographics? Is it location of um, a vaccination center? Is it um, you know what what else is it? I mean, it, it's so Milton is quite high at eighty mm. percent. So Okay, because I know they were they were doing um weren't they doing un you know unbooked jabs actually yeah the um, the walking centres now yeah, so, now it's very yeah. interesting that if you look at the top there's actually a political alignment in the top five regions are all predominantly blue we then get into Baffins Milton Pools Grove East Eastney Wimmering north end east so they they don't correlate exactly but there is an element of you know and, and again classically you think that there was an age demographic in play there as it would be say the more mature and wise tend to vote blue um and but i i think the key thing for me when if we go back to that question is that i i think in certain areas of the city we're nowhere near as vaccinated as we think we are no, but I, but I think um, aside from your tongue-in-cheek poke that there, there's a there's a political um, alignment because you know don't forget obviously not all of the population is registered to vote um, and a large swathe of the population of the city wouldn't have been eligible until very very recently to actually have a vaccination. So true, um, very true. So um, and in some parts of the city, the demographic concentration and those are actually probably some of the more highly densely most den more densely populated parts of the city. Um, would would be um would be those occupied by younger people and by which i mean people probably you know under 50 so um i think yeah i think you know th th is the age correlation or the supposed age correlation um because we're you know we're having to kind of surmise yep. about that I is that about the ro the way the rollout's gone or is that actually about the personal take up in those in those age ranges um we don't we, you know we we couldn't speak to that um so it's um yeah it but it, it is it is an interesting one i mean also with you saying about how kosham north is quite so high i'd also want i'd also i'd love to i'd love to understand and i'm sorry i should have 
asked you to pick at the, pick at this before the show is is whether the data goes on residence or whether where it's whether um it can't go on where the jab is done because obviously you no. know, that you would you would end up with massive concentrations where the jab centers quote unquote are um and then nothing elsewhere but it but it kind of just i just wonder what an impact the hospital has for example on portsmouth you know sorry on Cosham north and you know I'd like, and it'd be interesting to see the, the boundaries but it does we'll need that- to we'll need to dig into the data yeah. but i would my guess would be um because it's government data it would be where you are where you are registered with your gp um Mm, yeah but even that might again with that you know there's probably no little value in in me speculating without without um kind of looking at the the data in any more in any more detail um lynn um thinks that it's um uh thinks that um age age seems to be the key um and she thinks that um eastney is um is um is fairly good um so um if only kind of um there were vaccinations out, out against outpourings of sewage um then um that would um do so um yeah um another quote that i wanted to wanted to share was mm. um a tweet on the on july the 9th um from council leader gerald vernon jackson so he he tweeted covid rates in portsmouth now above 200 per 100,000 people at 202.9 cases just a few weeks ago we had rates of just 20 numbers of new admissions at qa hospital now have risen threefold in a week very worrying uh, and it's not often i agree with gerald um but I'm going to agree with Gerald. I think it is very worrying. I think there is an element of, you know, when you look at 30,000, when you look at 30,000 new infections per day, in in currently, effectively, for every 1,000 infections, a person dies. You know, so it's 30,000 infections and 30 deaths. I, when I've looked at this, and I, I, I you know, cards on the table i am not a libertarian i sort of furrow my brow and go the if this goes up to a hundred thousand cases a day as as it's been modeled that that's very possible that would be 70 more people a day who will die who wouldn't have died if we were at thirty thousand a day so I'm really struggling to, to you know, again, I love to do a, a, a little bit of risk analysis. It's part of what I have to do for my job. But I do wonder whether the Freedom Day, don't have to wear a mask, wear a mask if you fancy, we can all go down the pub and stand at the bar, whether that's really worth 2,000 families a month who will lose a loved one they didn't have to. I think that's an easy one to answer. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's worth it. I think there are other things that the that the government could be doing to unlocking parts of the economy that need it, um, and supporting the industries that need it. But doing things in a in a more measured step, um, and a stepped way, rather than and although they use the 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 step four kind of you know how they how they're labeling this, but I think to, to me it seems like there are a lot of things changing or that are being proposed will change because we won't know in what the final decision is until tomorrow. So Boris, if you're listening, this is what <laughs> this is what um, two ill-informed people from Portsmouth think. So I don't think we are ill-informed. Um, I think you, I think you do us a disservice, Simon. I think there's an element of I, I think you know again. And look, I'm not saying that we are we're not experts, so therefore no. people can listen to us. 
I think we've, you know, we've we've done a lot of stuff on social media, but we've also, you know, I think in this show we've really just spoken to the things that the concerns that people have, and and it almost seems like we're trying to. I'm going to say it, Freedom Day. It should be a three-word slogan, but it's only a two-word slogan. I I don't I don't know about you, but I don't feel particularly unfree just at the moment. No, I, I'd I'd rather have the freedom of knowing that, um, to be honest, of existing within the current level of restrictions, but knowing that that means that that basically that more people aren't you know there aren't going to be other families and other people that are um might be suffering in order to pay for that freedom i I just i get that we need to you know we're in a different situation than we were um when the measures were put in place we need to be moving forward and we need to um we need to be doing some things to release some restrictions in certain areas and uh, there are different things the devil is always in the detail but to me um, I, and I know it, and I feel I feel bad because I feel like it's really easy for me to criticise the criticise the government. But I don't I don't expect a perfect answer because I don't think we're in a situation where no. anybody could give a perfect answer. So I'm not trying to be Captain Hindsight. I'm just trying to say, for me, I this is the danger of populism in the sense of if what you're interested is in a soundbite and a three-word slogan, or even if you can't be bothered with a three-word slogan anymore and you want to go for a two-word slogan, this is the danger of of trying to run a country that way. And actually, it does the people of the country a disservice in the sense of, actually, most people are actually quite sensible. Actually, most people will listen to a well-made, decent argument um, and understand why some things need to be uncomfortable or need to be an inconvenience for the greater good. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's where I've got to. You know, I'm used on it, and it, if they made me, if I'm, you know, if I was making the announcement tomorrow, I'd be opening up on outdoor events. They'd be as big as you like. I'd continue to mandate the wearing of face masks on public transport in shops. I'd perhaps loosen the restrictions in terms of hospitality venues away from the sort of table of six. But again, I'd probably keep it table service for the moment. Um, and, you know, again, there are things that you can do like, you know, you make an exemption from, uh, from nightclubs and people will say, yeah, but why nightclubs and why not? At the end of the day, we've been living with various levels of restrictions for some time. You know, I have to wear a face mask to go and sit in a pub but I don't have to wear one when I'm in the gym and that's okay. I'm clever enough to do that. I think there's very much an opportunity and I really do hope that tomorrow isn't what I fear it's going to be, which is we're scrapping all the restrictions, but we expect you to work out which ones you should still be following. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just guess it's too easy to say, well, we told you that it had to be your decision, and therefore, when it all goes wrong, it's your fault. I don't think that. I don't think that'll wash. If I'm honest, I I think there there there'll be a, an element of trying that, but um, that's not going to wash. So, so well, let's let's hope. Yes. So, in answer to the question, so one of the the questions that we put across Facebook this week was, will um, uh, will you continue to wear a mask on public transport, for example, and in shops? Um, and actually, all of the people that that responded in a variety of ways actually said that said that they would. Um, I personally will. 
Um, um, yeah, I, 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 I will, but I'll be honest enough that, you know, again, the classic when, or before the pandemic, when I left the house, you know, you'd pat your pockets, keys, wallet. Well, I haven't got a wallet anymore because I don't think I've touched any cash since February last year. Literally haven't touched cash. So, so phone, because that's got the card in it. So it's like phone, keys, face mask. Now, I wonder whether, you know, you don't leave home without one. But I do wonder, even about myself, if in three or four weeks' time, I find myself outside the shop without a face mask, whether I'm just going to think, ah, oh, balls, I don't really have to. I, don't know, I never really had to. But I'll just, I'll just go for it. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, um, I guess... Um, it's an open thing for you to, for you to say that, and I guess. But I'll I'll labour the labour the point again. But us saying those, um, us answering those those questions ourselves isn't us judging those that don't. It's just us saying that's what our answer to the to the question is. Um, so um, we shall we shall see what happens. Again, we could have had this hypothetical conversation, and actually tomorrow, um, the PM will say, actually, do you know what? It's still a bit too wobbly. We're we're actually not gonna. Or, or we're gonna we're gonna dial it back a bit from what we said. Who knows? I guess we'll. we'll... I, I genuinely hope he does because for me there is an element of, you know, I I am not his biggest fan. I never have been, um, but I would hope that there comes a time when it's like, you know, grand stupid statements like "Let's kill everyone at Christmas." Five days truce with the um, virus. We'll all play football in the middle with it, and it'll all be lovely. You know, when eventually somebody did the, yeah, but this is how many hundreds of thousands of people die, they dialed back. So there is hope that there will be a let's not be bloody stupid moment tomorrow. Um, and my things across that that is the way it goes. Let's hope that there will be reasoned and sensible um, announcement from the um, from the government tomorrow, um, because at the end of the day, we're relying on them to make um, make effective decisions because people's. People's lives and people's livelihoods are in the in the balance, I guess. Um, so you know that's that's the kind of thing to to look at there. So um, yeah, um, will there be a fourth lockdown? Um, I mean, again, without um, any scientific background, access nope, to data, this or, is, this or is knowledge. just a wild so, punt. So um, I I couldn't put my hand on my heart and say that there wouldn't be because. I don't see how, how in a situation where there is still a large enough uh, proportion of the country that isn't vaccinated, and you are introducing the ability that the virus is going to mutate further, um, and thereby um, increasing um, the the likelihood of transmission, then will that then event eventually cause a a fourth wave? Um, I fear that it might. I fear that it mm. is probable. Um, how accurate that would be. I hope it doesn't for for everybody because um, obviously that will mean that sadly, you know, some people are going to lose a loved one. Um, and w wanting this situation to be over isn't the same as it being over. And I think that's the key difference. And I think that's, I think that, I think you've struck the nail on the head there, uh, which is the, the, 
almost the kind of mood of the nation, isn't it? Which is that we all really rather like this to be over and, you know, we're clinging on to those positive messages that, that sort of indicate that we won't have to. Um, I just hope those are because we don't have to and, and we can, you know, it's been a funny old, you know, I would say the last few weeks, you know, as I say, I don't feel particularly unfree at the moment, but that's possibly because, you know, what I choose to do with my life isn't, isn't overly impinged by the current restrictions. No, I- indeed. But um, as we've had recently on the show, we've had some examples of people's, yes. who, you know, people yep. whose lives and livelihoods have been, have been dreadfully impacted um by by the restrictions um and you know something you know one way one or the other those, those people need help and this isn't just about the economic benefits of course there is the the physical and mental benefit you know ben- mental benefits of releasing those restrictions but i, I you know th- I, I guess in many ways perhaps the government can't win because they don't have a crystal <laughs> ball but that's why I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously other people might feel differently, but I'd prefer straight talking. I, I'd prefer um, some honesty um, and some integrity. And I don't think um, either of those things are particularly forthcoming from this government. But that's, you know, I, I guess they weren't they weren't canvassing for my vote. No, I think that we might consider you to be a quote unquote lost cause. Yes. My so day, my days of our hopes for tomorrow have got to be a massive massive England win tonight nothing nothing nip and tuck God's sake no penalties but an England win and let's hope for a dose of sensibility from the government and prudent pragmatism on the way forward with unlocking indeed um and to all our listeners out there thank you very much um and do um keep safe and let's get through this so yeah come on England. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Simon Sandsbury. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. Well, they think it's all over. It is now. Promise no football next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See, it's easy.